Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter one. And you can also be finding, if you would, please, Luke chapter one. I'll be referring and going back and forth uh, between those two passages. It is good to see you in God's house today. If you're visiting today, please make yourself at home. We're so glad to have you. I uh, would love to see you anytime. I'd love to have you back. So if we can help you in any way, please let us know. I would love to minister to you. Matthew chapter one. And we'll begin this morning uh, by reading that passage we've been looking at over the last several weeks. Uh, if you've been over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a continuation of a message, a series called Emmanuel. And today we want to finish up that message beginning at Matthew chapter one. And we'll be re- begin reading there at verse 18. The Bible says in Matthew chapter one, verse 18, these words. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he fought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just want to pause and thank you, Father, for uh, this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the young people who came and and, and visibly showed us again a scene from long ago. But, Lord, a, a scene that changed history forever. Lord, the birth of the Messiah, the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. Father, I just thank you so much for that. I thank you for each one who's here today. I pray that you'll work in a mighty way for your honor and your glory. Father, thank you for this time of the year. We pause and focus upon Christ. Father, help us not to do that just in December, uh, just during the holidays, but every day. Father, I just pray right now that you would just hide me behind the cross. Speak through me. Use me. Use this message. Speak to hearts, I pray. Work, Father, in the way only you can. I pray for the Holy Spirit to have his will accomplished in this place today. In the Savior's name, amen and amen. A small child, a small boy who was the child of missionaries, I had been in school in the States for one year. And at Christmas time, the principal was visiting the boy in his room. And uh, what he was doing was trying to cheer this young man up. As you can imagine, being far away from his parents who were on the mission field, he was very discouraged, very sad. And the principal came to cheer him up and said, son, what would you like to have most for Christmas? And the boy was quiet and looked for a long time at a framed picture of his father uh, that was sitting on his desk. And he remembered that his father was in a far off land serving the Lord. And then the boy said real quietly, I would like for my father to step out of that picture frame. I'd like for my father to step out of that picture frame. Well, I want you to know something, beloved. Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, he stepped out to this world Through his coming, the incarnation, through being born as a baby and living among men. 
And we have over the last couple of weeks been looking at this passage here in Matthew chapter one. I'd like to review very quickly for those who were here and for those who were not. We saw, first of all, the first week, Mary's pregnancy. And we noticed that Mary was promised. Mary was pure, but Mary was pregnant. And then last week, we considered together Joseph's predicament. And as we looked at Joseph, we saw his character and his compassion, his contemplation, his commitment and his chastity as God dealt with him. So we had Mary's pregnancy. We have we had Joseph's predicament. And today I want to share with you God's provision, God's provision. And I want to start there by looking at God's provision for Joseph and Mary. Now, you understand from reading the scripture here and and other times in your life that both Mary and Joseph received angelic messengers. And through these messengers, they heard some wonderful news, the greatest news, the good news that Jesus Christ was coming in the flesh. And in these messages, I want you to notice something that God's provision included several things for Mary and Joseph. First of all, it included encouragement. Look back, if you would. Or actually, if you have Luke chapter one open, listen, if you don't, if you do notice beginning at verse 26, Luke chapter one, beginning at verse 26, I told you we'll go back and forth between Matthew one and Luke one. So if you want to put your finger there in Matthew and turn to Luke chapter one, we'll begin reading at verse 26. We find it says there in Luke one twenty six, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, verse 28 says, and the angel came in unto the her and said, hail thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, notice verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Can you understand that? You know, some folks show up at your house and you're a little bit troubled by their being there. But imagine angelic messenger comes. She's troubled. It says when she saw him, she was troubled at his say. That's interesting to me. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Verse 30 says, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now, looking back at Matthew chapter one, I want you to notice something. It says in verse 20 of our passage today. But while he, that is Joseph, thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he's dreaming. The angel comes saying, Joseph, thou son of David, watch this next part. Fear not, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. We see that Mary was frightened by this angelic message. No doubt this angelic appearance. We found we find that Joseph was frightened to take Mary as his wife because she's pregnant and he's not the father. But both the messages from God comes what? These wonderful words, fear not. And we see through this, beloved, the graciousness and the gentleness of our great God in dealing with them. He understands that Joseph and Mary are flesh and bone, just like us. And he comes to them kindly. He deals with them gently. He brings to them encouragement. In his provision, in his message. But I want you to notice, likewise, he brings an explanation. Go back to Luke 1 again, if you would, please. We'll pick up reading at verse 31. This angelic messenger says to Mary in verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. 
Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she have also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So there's an explanation given to Mary of what's going to take place. We read this morning as well, an explanation was given to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, The angel comes and says, Fear not to take Mary thy wife. Now, this is a wonderful thing. Because God does not always explain to us what's going to take place. He does not always lay it out for us. Now, if you're like me, you wish that he would. Uh, but, but then I rethink that a moment and say, I don't know about that, because if he did, I might be scared to death. But God does not always lay it out for you or for me what's going to take place. He wants us to trust him step by step and day by day. But here he takes the time to lay it out exactly what's going to happen through the birth of this Messiah through the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not have to explain himself, but he does here. God is God alone, but God graciously lays it out for Joseph and Mary. So he gives them an encouragement. He gives them an explanation, and he also gives them exact details. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, in Luke one thirty one, says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. In Matthew one twenty one, And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. These messengers bring the gender of the child. You're going to have a son. You're going to have a baby boy. It also, this angel brings the name of the child. You shall call his name Jesus. So as we look at God's provision for Joseph and Mary, we thank him because he's gracious, he's kind. In mercy, he brings these things to their attention. So we see God's provision for Joseph and Mary, but I want you to notice, secondly, God's provision for the world. God's provision for the world. And when I say world here, I have in mind all mankind. I have in mind what we find in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And at this Christmas time... In the midst of the cheer and the joy and the celebrations, we need to realize something, beloved. And that is, man's greatest problem is sin. And man's greatest need is salvation. And God provided a remedy for our need, our problems, in giving His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel says, thou shalt call His name Jesus. Think about that name for a moment. Jesus. I recall a song we sung in the church I grew up in. I can vaguely still hear my grandmother singing it. It goes like this. I know of a name, a beautiful name that angels brought down to earth. They whispered it low one night long ago to a maiden of lowly birth. That beautiful name, that beautiful name from sin has power to free us. That beautiful name, that wonderful name, that matchless name is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Our daily bread had this in it one day. Perhaps you read that. It said when people say that someone's name is beautiful, they're usually referring to its sound. Parents today seldom choose a name for their children because of its meaning. They pick one that reminds them of a friend or a relative. 
They select it because it has a combination of syllables that is pleasing to the ears. To say that the name of Jesus is beautiful is not to speak merely of phonetics. True, the word does have a gracious quality all its own. And even when I hear it spoken in other languages, it has a lovely sound. But its real beauty lies in its deep meaning. And you say, preacher, what does it mean? It means Savior. Jesus. Savior. Why? It says that thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. As a result of his coming... And being born as that baby, laid in a manger, living a sinless, perfect life, voluntarily laying down his life upon the cross, dying, being laid in a tomb, and then resurrecting victorious, we notice several things come as a result of that. First of all, he saves us. But only, listen, only if we place our faith in him and him alone. John 3.16 again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, resteth, trusteth, receiveth him, they shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. He shall save his people from their sin. One writer says he saves them from the guilt of sin, washing them in his own atoning blood. He saves them from the dominion of sin by putting in their hearts the sanctifying spirit. He saves them from the presence of sin when he takes them out of this world to rest with him. And he will save them all from the consequences of sin when he shall give them a glorious body at the last day. Do you not see today, friend, that he is an all-sufficient Savior? Jesus shall save his people from their sin. And I want you to understand something. The virgin birth. The incarnation, his coming, what we celebrate at Christmas time is all part of the glorious process whereby he purchased our pardon upon Calvary. Call his name Jesus, it says here. Charles Hodge, the theologian, said there's more power to sanctify, elevate, strengthen and cheer in the word Jesus than in all the utterances of men since the world began. And I say amen. Amen. He saves us. But I want you to notice something else from this passage in Matthew chapter one. I want you to notice he assures us. Look at verse 22. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, behold, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. He assures us. You say, well, preacher, I don't follow you. What do you mean? He assures us. Well, in this instance, it says he came as he was prophesied. If you go back and if you don't want to turn there, just listen. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we find these words. Isaiah uh, verse uh, 14 of chapter 7. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse number 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We find that the birth of Jesus Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament many, many years before he appeared on the scene. And now we turn to Matthew and we see it played out exactly as God laid it out. We see his birth, his coming was a fulfillment of a prophecy. It was perfectly fulfilled and it assures us that the word of God is true. 
We can trust it. We can believe it. We can rest our lives upon it, realizing that it has been fulfilled. And everything written here that has not been fulfilled yet will be fulfilled, just as God has laid it out in his word. By his coming, he saves us as we place our faith in him. He assures us. And I want you to notice, thirdly, he's with us. Look back at Matthew 123. It says, thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. Think about that. God with us. Merrill Unger says, according to orthodox interpretation, the name denotes the same as God, man, Theanthropos. It's the reference of personal union of human nature and the divine in Christ. In other words, God manifests in human flesh. You sing about it. You ever thought about those words? Charles Wesley wrote it this way. You sang it. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as men with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Perfect God, perfect man, joined in the flesh. Someone said it this way. He was just as much God if he were not man at all and just as much man if he were not God at all. The perfect union. And we've got to keep that balance in view. The God man. But there's a difference. He was born of a virgin. Born without sin. Live without sin. Emmanuel, no longer just God above us, but God with us. And today as believers, if we know Jesus Christ, we even have God indwelling us through God, the Holy Spirit. Now, do you understand how significant it is that God is with us? We're talking about the incarnation. And that sounds like a big word, but it's really a very simple concept. That's a theological term. It simply means it's the way that Christ took on humanity. The word means in flesh. Those who have been with us for the Gospel of John study on Wednesday nights, I've hit the incarnation hard repeatedly. You could probably say this with me, but it means this. Jesus, who is God, became man without ceasing to be God. You get that? Jesus, who is God, became man without ceasing to be God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I want to give you some purposes of why the incarnation is important. If you'll jot these references down, I want you to look them up later if you would. This is from J.C. Ryle. It gives us several reasons why we have the incarnation. First of all, to reveal God to men. John chapter 1, verse 18. To reveal God to men. John 1, 18. Secondly, we have the incarnation to provide an example for living. To provide an example for living. 1 Peter 2, 21. 1 Peter 2, 21. How do we live this life? <laughs> Well, I can go back and read through the Gospels and see the way Jesus lived his life to provide an example for living. First, Peter two twenty one. Thirdly, to provide a sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 10, one through 10 to provide a sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 10, one through 10. Fourthly, to destroy the works of the devil. First, John three, eight to destroy the works of the devil. First, John three, eight. Next, to enable him to be a merciful and faithful high priest. Hebrews 5, 1 and 2. Hebrews 5, 1 and 2. And then finally, if you missed any of these, I'll be glad to give them to you after service. 
to fulfill the promise of a son to sit on the throne of David forever. Now, the angel mentioned and talked about that to Mary. To fulfill the promise of a son to sit on David's throne forever. Luke 1, 31 through 33. Luke 1, 31 through 33. Now, so far today, we've seen God's provision, first of all, for Joseph and Mary. There was encouragement. There was an explanation. They were given exact details. Secondly, we notice, beloved, God's provision for you and for me. We notice through his coming as we trust him, he saves us, he assures us and he's with us. But there's one more thing I want to talk about today. And that's this. God's provision for you. God's provision for you. And yes, I'm talking to you, friend. You say, well, I understand that I was included in that second point about God's provision for the world. And you're right, but I, I want to personalize a little bit more. Christ came for you. He was born for you. He laid down his life for you. He shed his blood for you. He was laid in that tomb for you. He arose victorious for you. He lives today for you that you might recognize that you're a sinner. You're lost. You're undone. You cannot save yourself. But recognize that he is Messiah. He is Savior. He is Emmanuel. And if you will come and place your faith in Him, He will save you. I said a moment ago that man's greatest problem is sin and man's greatest need is salvation. And beloved, if you don't know Him, your greatest problem is sin. Your greatest problem today is not the economy, as bad as that may be. Your greatest problem today is not a health need, as difficult as that might be. And I'm not, I'm not belittling those problems or negating those problems. But your greatest problem, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, is sin. That is your greatest problem. And your greatest need, beloved, is to know Jesus Christ as Savior. God provided this for you. Jesus came for you. And if you will receive Him, repent of your sin, and take the Savior as your Lord, He will save you you. That is what Christmas is all about. That's why we celebrate. Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the one that's all about. We're here today. We're celebrating today because he took upon himself flesh and lived and died and arose again that we might have life. Now, let me ask you in closing, friend, how about it? You're going to receive a lot of gifts, no doubt, this year. But there's one key to receiving a gift, isn't it? I mean, somebody can go and buy you an expensive gift and put a lot of time and thought and effort, have it professionally wrapped, which is a good thing, guys, if you're like me, because you're not good at that. But the key is what? You have to take that gift. Because you can say, no, thank you. I refuse that gift. And God has a wonderful, beautiful gift for you called eternal life through Jesus Christ. But you must receive that gift. You can reject it. You say no to it. But it's there for the taking. And I wonder today, is God the Holy Spirit 
working in your heart saying, today's the day. If so, I want you to say, yes, Lord, I receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel. Let me encourage you today, friend, on this Christmas week, if you've never done it before, receive Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And we're done today. But I want to give an opportunity. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and meet me here. But I'm wondering, is God dealing with your heart today? You say, preacher, I'll be honest with you. I don't know for certain that my sin is forgiven. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. But I'd sure like to know that. And I'd like to receive this gift. And I'd like to have eternal life. And I'd like to have him as my Savior and Lord. And I'm tired of my sin. I don't want my sin anymore. I want the Savior. And I believe he died for me. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he arose victorious. And I want to know him as Savior and Lord. I'm wondering if that's you today. Would you lift your hand up and hold it high? And just leave it for me and let me see it. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Just slip a hand up. Say, that's me, preacher. I don't know. Now, in a moment, I'm going to invite you guys to come and meet me here. And I want to talk with you. You can trust him right now in your seat. If you do that, I want you to come share that. But anybody else, before we close in prayer, say, preacher, that's me. That's the gift I need this Christmas. Anybody else? Father, we love you and praise you and adore you. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, that you so loved the world, you said, here's my son. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life on the cross, shedding your blood, being buried, but then bursting forth in victory, and you're alive forevermore. I pray, Lord, for these that lifted a hand today. I pray today will be the day, if they haven't already where they transfer their trust, their lives, their all to you. If there are others, Father, today, I pray you bring them during this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen.